Hi friends, welcome to the FBC Tuttle podcast. Thanks for joining us this week. We are so glad you're here. Each week on our podcast, you'll hear messages from our pastor, Brother Marty Williams. If you'd like to join us for worship, we meet every Sunday at 1045 a.m. Central in Tuttle, Oklahoma and online at fbctuttle.net. Now, let's get started. Emmanuel, God with us, we are told. It's what uh, the name of Jesus means. You know, the scripture says that in his incarnation, in his becoming flesh, the Lord of glory emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and was made in the likeness of men. Jesus was born. He lived a perfect life and he died a sacrificial death for all who would accept him. All of the adjectives and exclamations in the world can't ever possibly say enough about that reality. The Lord of glory coming to earth. Yet the most important and significant birth of all of history happened in the most obscure and humble circumstances you can imagine. You know, we, we, uh, we read Luke chapter 2, probably a lot of us, uh, year after year after year. I know that uh, we, do, we do at our house, and yet often it seems to me um, how much of it we just seem to, we just seem to gloss over. To, uh, to think about uh, the Lord of glory being born as a baby. And we celebrate that at Christmas time. I'm going to read some of the passage in Luke chapter 2. In, La- in Luke chapter 2 verses 1 through 7 it says, And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. And this census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria, so all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was at the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. You know, as we think about that, you know, we've, we've passed over the, the uh, Gabriel, the angel appearing to Mary and saying, blessed are you among women and how this is going to play out and how this is going to happen. And we've, we've glossed over the part of where, where Joseph was, um, frankly, at first not buying it. And it says that he had decided to quietly divorce her until the angel appeared to him in a dream. And now, all of a sudden, you know, it, it, and, and it seems like those were the, that those two, Mary and Joseph. Now, we, we know that, that Zacharias, who was a priest of God, who was John the Baptist's dad, right, father, and, and Elizabeth, John the Baptist mother, they were privy to the to what was going on, but that was it. 
And then the scripture was foretold long ago, 600, 700 years before the birth of Christ in the book of Micah, that, uh, that the Savior was to be born in Bethlehem. A place that in, in Micah chapter, chapter 5 verse 2 says that it's, But as for you, Bethlehem, too little to be among the clans of Judah. A little bitty place. And then in, in Luke, back in Luke chapter 2 verse 6, Luke writes, So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And that's Luke's story of the birth of the King of Kings. Without fanfare in Bethlehem, Joseph and Mary... Um, probably alone. Nobody in Bethlehem had any idea the significance of what was happening. Just simply says there was no room for them in the end. We know that Jesus was born instead in a place where animals were kept. In an ordinary way. We're going to read in a minute that, that he was wrapped in swaddling clothes. Now, that's nothing special. There's nothing kingly about swaddling clothes. Every Jewish baby born would have been wrapped in swaddling clothes. They wrapped a baby's arms and legs in strips of cloth, keep them warm, and to try to ensure that they were straight. You know, who, who knows what all of the reasons were, but that was, that was what was done. And then he was laid in a feeding trough. You know, as I, as I think about this story, I guess because I'm a man, I think about it from, from Joseph's perspective. Right? Here I, I have accepted this reality that I'm going to be the dad of the Messiah. And, and then I learn that, that I've got to travel 90 miles with my wife, who is nine months pregnant. And it wasn't get in the car. It was get there however you can. Probably mainly walked. You know, we have, we have images of, of Mary riding on a donkey and all of those kind of stuff. But, but honestly, a lot of that is just brought to our imagination by pictures and stuff. Scripture doesn't really say how they got there. But I can't imagine that it would have been uh, a lot of fun. And as I think about Joseph searching, once he arrives in Bethlehem, searching for a place for his wife to sleep. I remember when my, when my first son was born, I was a wreck. And really, the most important thing on my mind was that Brenda was taken care of. I can't even imagine what would be going through Joseph's mind as he searches for some place to stay and finally settles on a place where the animals were kept. 
Bethlehem would have been a crowded place. It wasn't very big, but because it was the, the birthplace of David and everybody that was of that lineage would have had to have gone there to be, to be registered for the census, it would have been a crowded place, although small. Most people believe that this uh, stable, as we have it pictured, was more than likely a cave. And the manger that Jesus was placed in, more than likely just a hewn out rock. But I can imagine that night after all of the issues of the travel and trying to find a place to stay, that finally they settle in this place and Mary gives birth to the new baby. And probably in the, I don't know, I'm assuming a, a peaceful night that finally they can rest. Mama's healthy and doing good. Baby's healthy and doing good. Wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And I imagine at that time they felt some peace. And all that was about to change. You know, as we get to Luke chapter 2, verses 8, we, we have this passage. It says, now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Shepherds that just did this for a living. Because they were in the same area, one of the things that I read said that, that the area between Jerusalem and Bethlehem, which was an area of about six miles, that most all of the animals that were sacrificed in the temple were raised in that area. And that these shepherds likely could have been shepherds raising sheep for the temple. We don't, they don't know that. But in the area that was, that, that is what they, they were kind of known for. Shepherds were, they were at or near the very bottom of the social ladder. They were, uh, they were viewed as uneducated and unskilled men. And by this time in history, although we have, we have the great account of of famous godly shepherds, Moses, David, King David. Even, even God himself is recognized as a shepherd of his people. But in, in this time in history, most were viewed as uh, pretty unsavory characters. In fact, by law, they could not even give testimony in court because as a whole, they were not trusted. Because sheep required care seven days a week, they were unable to comply with all of the Sabbath regulations that had been imposed. So they were, so they were viewed as, as unclean. Sheep would have been kept in the fields grazing during the day, but at night they would have been moved to a sheepfold where they could be more carefully watched in case of predators or thieves. The shepherds would have been able to have, 
sat down or maybe even lied down and rested as they watched over their sheep. And to these men, the angel appeared. Verse 9 says, And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. The glory of the Lord. The glory of the Lord that shone around them. The glory of the Lord that, that filled the Garden of Eden when, when God walked with Adam and Eve. The glory of the Lord that, that went before the people of Israel as God led them. The glory of the Lord that was present in the Holy of Holies as they would go in, the high priest would go in to make atonement for people. But over the course of history, centuries of sin and rebellion, the glory of God left the temple. And reappeared this night. Reappeared this night. The literal presence of God had once again entered the world. These shepherds, we don't, we don't know much about them. We know that they, they appear for just a moment in Scripture and, and, then, they, and then they're gone. But as we read their story... I imagine them to be devout men. To be seekers of God. To be worshipers of the one true Yahweh God. Even though they were viewed by, by others as unclean and as a whole may have been looked down upon, I, I believe they were devout men. Because you see, God had not revealed the coming of His Son, the coming of the King of Glory to just anybody. He had revealed it to Zacharias through an angel. He had revealed it to Elizabeth. He had revealed it to Joseph and Mary through angels. And now this angel makes this event known to these men. I suspect they were God-fearing men. And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. Always, always, it seems in Scripture, the visible manifestation of holiness, of glory, brings fear into the heart of men. We see it in the declaration of the angel to, to, uh, to Mary. We see it in the declaration of the angel to Zacharias. We see it in the declaration of the angel to to Joseph, where after they appear, the first thing they have to say is, don't, don't be afraid. We see, it, we see it in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 5. When Isaiah sees the glory of the Lord filling the temple in, in smoke, and he says, woe is me, for I am ruined. Because I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. The presence of 
holiness always brings fear into the heart of sinful men. Do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good tidings. That word good tidings is the word we get our word gospel from. I bring you good tidings of great joy which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Here we have the reason not to be afraid. The glory of the God and the angel has not come in judgment yet. But with joyous good news of the gospel. The, the good news that a saving God has sent a Savior to redeem all people. That news produces great joy. <clears throat> the angel said it was good news for all people. For you see, all people have sinned and need a Savior. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All people need a Savior. That, that is a truth that escaped most all of the religious leaders of Jesus' time. When John the Baptist and then Jesus came preaching a gospel of repentance for the forgiveness of sin in order to have a relationship with God, the scribes and the Pharisees and the Jewish leaders didn't think that they were sinners in need of a Savior. They didn't think they needed one to pay the price for their sin so that they might have a relationship with Almighty God. Sometimes we have the same problem today. People do not understand how desperately they need a Savior. How desperately they need to embrace this man that was born a baby and died on a cross and resurrected again to save us from our sin. God did not send Jesus into this sinful, evil world just so that we might feel blessed by having a good family or feel blessed by having a you know, a wonderful wife or a good job or, a, or a, a nice house or just to be able to enjoy all the trappings of this world. He sent Jesus so that we might be saved, forgiven of our sin by believing. And then the angel gave the shepherds a sign. Proof, if you will. Verse 12, it says, and this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. The Bible says, and then suddenly, preached on this last week, and suddenly there was, an, there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host. A multitude of the heavenly host. You know, in Scripture, myriad means 10,000. Multitude is translated myriads upon myriads. 10,000 upon 10. That was just the biggest number they knew. They didn't have a million. 
or we probably would read millions and millions. 10,000 upon 10,000 joining the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men who believe. So it was that when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, that the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord had made known to us. In the reaction of the shepherds, I believe that we have a model for us as believers to follow. Because you see, when the, when the shepherds heard what had been done, they believed. They didn't need convincing. You know, I, I think back and I think even to Zacharias, poor old Zacharias, John the Baptist's dad. The angel Gabriel appeared to Zacharias and told him he was going to have a son. And, and Zacharias, instead of rejoicing and praising God, said, how will these things be? And I can just see Gabriel. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, you know how, you know how sometimes on, on TV shows, you know, where you've got this little guy, you know, that's speaking and somebody irritates him or aggravates him, and all of a sudden he just like blows up bigger than life. I don't know that Gabriel did that. But Gabriel said, what? I am Gabriel, and I come from the throne of God. It's almost like, I can't believe you don't believe me. But these shepherds, they did not respond that way. They believed. The Bible says, and they made haste. They came with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. He would not have been that hard to find. Bethlehem was a little place, and there probably weren't too many babies born that night, and there weren't any other babies that had been laid in a manger. And they came, and they found... the. Can you imagine the discussion that was had? Oh, my goodness. And we don't know how many there were. These shepherds come... They find this baby, and they say, we've come to see the Savior of the world. An angel appeared and told us about him, and then myriads upon myriads of angels came singing glory to God, and we've come, we've come to see him. Nobody else in Bethlehem had any idea what was going on. Don't you know how encouraged that must have been to Joseph and Mary? And it's like, you know, if I'm Joseph, it's like, oh God, I was wondering if we'd miss something. No place to stay. No end. Mary having to have this baby in in a manger and what confirmation there was that that this baby is the king of glory, the savior of the world. 
And Mary's saying, you know, I know that angel. (laughs) He appeared to me too. Let me tell you about when he told me what was going to happen. And, and Joseph saying, I know that angel too. He appeared to me in a dream and explained it to me. And can't you just imagine that, how they worship together around this, this infant that was God in the flesh? Oh, you see how we gloss over Christmas. What a powerful story it is when I think about those shepherds. In verse 17 it says, And and when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning the child. That's a simple way of saying that they told everybody that they come across that this was the Savior. This was God sent into the world that we've been hearing about for 700 years. The Savior that was promised from the Garden of Eden to crush Satan's head. The Bible says then that all of those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. And all of those who heard it marveled. Your your Bible may say wondered, curious about what had happened. You know, and I think about, I don't know, our our response or certainly the response to to many in the world. Because you see, just just like the just like the shepherds, when when we have known the good news of Jesus we are called to tell also and as and as we are are called to tell we are we are going to come across most that are just going to be wonder about it that are just going to be curious and then go back to life as it had go back to tending the sheep oh that's nice You know, can I just ask you, has the, has the joyous good news of Christ that has come to save us from our sin, has that, has that knowledge changed your life? Please, don't just add the manger to Christmas. Serve Him. Seek him like the shepherds did. Hey friends, before you go, if you have a prayer request, we invite you to send us an email at prayforyou@att.net. That's P-R-A-Y, the number four, Y-O-U at att.net. Or call the church office at 405-381-2492. If you'd like to learn more about our children's, youth, men's, women's, or senior adult ministries, visit our website at fbctuttle.net. Thanks again for joining us today. We love you and we hope you have a blessed week.